Welcome to CTRM Radio, home of the official podcast of Commodity Technology Advisory and your source for information on all matters related to CTRM. Hello, this is Gary Basie with Comtech Advisory, and this is another edition of CTRM Radio, our irregular podcast. And today we're going to be looking at some use cases in the machine learning artificial intelligence world. A couple of years ago, Commodity Technology Advisory undertook a study into disruptive technologies, and what we learned was quite interesting. Whilst the emphasis back then and all of the interest seemed to be on blockchain, where the rubber was meeting the road seemed to be data, big data, and machine learning artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence has significant potential to transform, via intelligent automation, the various business processes and operations in commodities. And what we found in that study was that this was going to be an area of impact investment over the next 12 to 24 months, and was also viewed as having a good chance of disrupting or having significant impact on business processes. And at the time, we were able to see many, many examples of artificial intelligence in use, things like crop yields, acoustic recordings of shrimp eating, informing shrimp farmers when to add more fish feed. We also saw areas like optimizing hedging programs, algorithmic trading, FX trading, demand forecasting. We saw AI being deployed by the National Grid in the UK, for example, and many, many other examples. But today, what we're going to do is Two years later, we're going to look at uh, three specific use cases where artificial intelligence and machine learning has been used in commodities. And to start us out, we're going to start by looking at optimizing transportation routes. And to that end, I'd like to welcome Philip Lilifel, who is with Vasanda. Philip? For us, when we started looking at the problem, as you, you call it, uh, the problem for us was uh, arranging transport for any, any sort of physically uh, delivered commodity or raw material is the reliance on, on human interaction. It's very, very, very heavily uh, reliant on, on people and their relationships. So top down, you, you had organizations who are either purchasing or investing in something that would physically be delivered uh, for resale. And networks within those origination points or origination sort of locations, if you like, had to facilitate and um, had to kind of organize the transportation. What we wanted to do and in the advent of, of course, machine learning and AI is figure out a way where we're going to make transport of goods and, and commodities very, very, uh, very efficient by allowing machines to make those same decisions as, you know, you, you would have the freight forwarder or the broker sitting in the middle doing it. And also what we wanted to achieve with that is um, a much more fairer value for your journey is what we call, you know, the, the, the life cycle of your supply chain or, or the journey of the commodity from origination to destination. Yep. So how Visanda tackles this problem is we actually have and are continuously growing an ecosystem of various different professionals in different countries and we speak to ports and we speak to logistics companies from haulers to uh, NVOCCs, uh, ship operators and charterers. And those ecosystems, they tend to be 
the ones who are quoting directly for specific legs of journey and also providing uh, visibility on those uh, legs of the journeys. In Visanda, what we have done is, of course, you know, Visanda can connect your ETR and ECTRM, MRP system, ERP system uh, via APIs, but we collect information in a specific way and we build shipment profiles. And those shipment profiles are then uh, broken down into various segments. We call that uh, portion segmentation of the journey. So the segmentation of the journey is it will look at point, the origination, it will look at the destination, and then it will work out, okay, uh, I need the journey to the port, and I need the journey over the sea to get to another port, and another port will take me to consolidation unit or storage. Uh, now, of course, that's a very kind of simplified journey of, of one commodity, but what it will do as well is, course, depending on the commodity and the commodity codes, for instance, you know, if it's something that's chemical or deemed dangerous, certain ports won't accept it or won't ship from it. So we have to then intelligently identify those ports that would handle such commodity. Mm-hmm. And, and the journey is then built with that level of intelligence. But each segment is then priced from a network within that ecosystem. So you would have the, 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 le- the journey of, say, a hauler needs to take a specific uh, commodity from storage to the port that would go out to all the relevant parties to get it priced. And once it's priced, obviously, it has multiple bills of, bills of lading for each uh, segment. Uh, all these documentations are placed in one uh, dashboard, where we, we call it the shipment screen, which is a sh- essentially a bill of lading, digital digital bill of lading. Um, and you will see a price and a journey time and expectations for which of exactly what your freight forwarder or the guy in the middle is always doing for you. But yeah. now you are you are not relying on that human interaction anymore. You're relying on a machine to do it for you. How does the ML bit work? What should I expect as a user? Well, I think the clever bit really, it's uh, determining the journeys it needs, you know, determining the, the mode of, of uh, transport it requires based on geographical location. And I have, I have done physical bookings in, in the past myself of uh, a shipment, and even human beings can sometimes make the mistake and say, okay, mm-hmm. well, I've got 300 kilogram pallet. Um, it's an ISO pallet. I want to put it on an airplane, um, but there isn't capacity to put it on an airplane. So, you know, IATA won't support it. So you would need to find alternatives. Um, and, and the way with the with the ML, what we are able to do is, you know, over time and, and training the models and, and collecting the data is find the opportunities that would give you a, not only a cost efficient, but also um, the options of a, a green or a faster delivery, depending on the parameters you pass. Like, for instance, you know, if you wanted a, a green shipment for maybe three tons of coffee beans from Ethiopia, it's going to find you the best the best route. But that route may be uh, slightly longer than the uh, traditional faster route um, to put, putting those coffee beans on an airplane. It might put it on a ship. 
So it determines certain criteria for you that um, perhaps will fit in very well for companies who are looking to, uh, you know, ramp up their ESG. Um, you know, they, they are taking more of a holistic and environmental social uh, approach to their uh, shipping. So that really is kind of the the, the flagship opportunity for Basanda is that you know, it's it's able to to make those decisions on the planning uh, stage, uh, and and in particular, to just just to be able to intelligently uh, plan each each one of those legs of the journey. And what made you what made you start Vasanda with this in mind? What what was the the driving thought in your mind? Well, uh, the predecessor to Vasanda was a was in uh, a company because obviously we sold that portion of the business. It was land-based, um, and and we did exactly what we're doing now, but completely just for the haulage uh, market. And it was very successful. And the, the one thing that um, always worried me and my clients is where 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 is you know the the, the visibility on the price? Uh, where is the visibility on on the on the assets themselves? And are we able to quantify the environmental impact of uh, the, the, the sort of the level of logistics that go through a particular company. For me, it's, it's always been that I've always had an ambition to, to obviously reduce carbon output and, 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 and be more uh, you know, environmentally conscious with the technology and, and try to promote that through the technology. But my concern was that this wasn't always the immediate thing a lot of businesses wanted, but they wanted to know their, their cost and they wanted to know where their assets are, which is yeah. great. But we are now reaching a point where businesses are really thinking about ESG. They are thinking about the environment more. And, you know, you can see as well uh, in shipping, um, whilst it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, the number one polluter in logistics, really, um, <laughs> There is there is a lot of work being done to uh, reduce the carbon uh, output and uh, become you know carbon neutral, et cetera, et cetera. But for me, uh, the, the the previous the previous model or you know the, the predecessor to Visanda couldn't do that, and 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 the client base were not immediately concerned with that problem, whereas I was. And I knew it was going to be a big thing in five, ten years' time. And, you know, we're at a crunch point where it is very important. And a lot of people are talking about it. But what are we doing about it? And so I, I wanted to step back and rebuild the platform in order for it to scale very quickly, to handle huge amounts of data, to handle larger, um, you know, when I talk about ecosystems, the ecosystems would require a huge amount of participants. You know, you might have one shipment with a haulage company, a driver, the the agents on on either sides of the port and uh, port authorities, and you know, so th that's one shipment, and you could have eight to twelve participants, right? So you, mm -hmm. if you kind of uh, then amplify that and say, well, there are a thousand shipments. How in the southeast of England, well, that kind of gives you an idea of the level of, of the system that you require and, and, and the, the technology that could handle uh, this many transactions. 
Vasanda is in trial with uh, a, a, a number of organizations. They're early days, so unfortunately it is a, one of those NDA kind of um, setups. Um, mm-hmm. would, I would have loved to give you a bit more information, but we are reaching a point where it's going to become commercial. So I, I call it in commercialization stage. Meanwhile, on the other side of the pond, Patrick had a conversation with Randy Wilson, who's CEO of Aquilon. Patrick? So today we're speaking with uh, Mr. Randy Wilson, uh, Randy's CEO of Aqualon. Aqualon is a, a unique use case for AI, and uh, I wanted to bring Randy into the conversation today. We've, we've heard it talked about in terms of AI, that is talked about in terms of the supply and demand forecasting, uh, algorithmic trading. But but I think Aqualon has some unique, a unique perspective on the use of AI. And uh, Randy, if you if you wouldn't mind telling us about uh, how you guys use it, how it's deployed, business value that's being derived from it. Yeah, thanks, Patrick. I mean, you've mentioned a few good use cases of AI that I hear about a lot in industry, and ours is a little less sexy than than those examples. We're a bit more tactical. Uh, we're applying really AI to some of the common manual processes, reconciliation, data gathering, aggregation activities that occur within the back office of energy companies. And really our, our whole idea is how can we use these tools in a in a light way where there's not a complex integration, where we don't have to, uh, we're not reliant on you know other platforms that we have to, to pull data from or be fully integrated into. And, and using available tools to quickly capture data that might not be so readily accessible for our clients. And examples of that are um, PDFs or scan documents or other complex forms of documentation they're receiving from clients that they really can't consume very readily. And what we do is we really, our core engine that that we developed has really two functionalities right now it's one is a an ability to read documents so it's not ocr we actually take pdfs or or other forms of uh of files and we, we we pull the data out of them we do use some kind of advanced ocr with some ai on top of it for the documents that are scanned right things that we can't get the the rich pdf for and for those, we, we've had some good experience with of using kind of a layered approach to OCR, where it's not just a scan a document once, try to pull the data off, and then try to use it. It's, it's really about how do we take a document, decide if we can pull it in one pass, or we have to improve the quality of the document, and then run it through our tools and give us a better chance of extracting more of the data in a more usable format. That's the first thing we do with it. And then the second side of it is once we pull in data, right, for, for our clients, usually there's uh, some sort of reconciliation involved where they want to match it to what's in their source systems. And these can be things like pipeline reconciliations, a broker rack, uh, inventory reports, maybe it's an inventory movement within a warehouse or uh, some other type of product. You know, those are things where really there's a a quality and a volume specification that they want to be able to tie what's in their source system to what's on the documents provided by the counterparty or the shipper and our tools are able to grab the data as i mentioned earlier uh, from the source documents and then from their own systems we built this matching engine which really is machine learning or ai enabled where 
we, we, we start learning more about the patterns of the data within the system. So it gives us a higher probability in terms of our capability of matching items on a, uh, a line by line or field by field level. And the important thing is we, we've gone really far into going on, uh, it's not just a straight one-to-one -one matching. We can take, you know, you might have a, a group of records that measured at a meter level, somebody else might have it aggregated at a pool, and our matching engine is smart enough to figure out, well, these three meter trades line up to this one pool trade. Or, you know, you might purchase something at um, a city gate that you call it, you know, you, one name and another person is calling it the other side of the city gate a different name. We're able to use our matching engine to determine, okay, those are the same transactions. So it's really about getting smarter about how uh, reference data has been mapped in the industry and being able to reconcile across more than just one or two fields on a record, but use the data across it to, to you know, to, to basically teach the tool to be smarter and better able to line up with, you know, the, the data we're pulling from, from the, the source systems. Meanwhile, I spoke with James Matthews, who's at Agflow, a data provider in the agricultural sector, about how they were using and applying artificial intelligence against that data in order to help their clients with risk management. James? Agflow have been around now for the last seven years, really morphed from a company called AgriNews, which was a typical journalistic review of the agriculture cultural commodities markets and the idea was to focus on reporting data so rather than a pra a price reporting agency more of a data reporting agency particularly in the agricultural space focusing on grains veg oils and oil seeds we started off focusing on prices and so now we have seven years worth of historical data uh, across all of the commodities that we cover. That's just a part of the, of the data that we have included in the platform. We cover other things, freight rates, vessel lineups, and, and this sorts of stuff. But what that's enabled us to do for the first time this year is to make a foray into the risk management space. And so what we've created is has created a machine learning algorithm that uses our pricing, historical pricing database as its primary in input, but also to consider uh, other seasonable, seasonal ramifications, futures prices, uh, vessel lineups, in order to produce complete forward curves on a, that are produced on a daily basis that will enable risk managers uh, or risk management uh, hedge funds, banks in general, to uh, provide proxies uh, for, for a 12-month period that can be used to automate things like value at risk or mark to market. Uh, and so that is the product that we released earlier this year. And why did you choose to use machine learning? What 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 was it that, that prompted you to go in that general direction? Yes, that's a, a great question. Uh, for us, it was really key in the daily complete forward curves that we were able to offer a 95% confidence interval. And so 
we are building out more tickers all the time for our risk management product. Uh, but one of the reasons that sometimes we're unable to produce tickers is that we don't have complete enough sets of historical data uh, and you need you know, a certain volume of data in order to guarantee that 95% confidence interval. For mm. us, it was important to use machine learning. So the machine learning aspect is, you know, part of this program will consider, you know, okay, well, I'm predicting on the 5th of November, uh, you know, US golf corn FOB price in March at $100 per ton, let's say. And if then we receive a live price later on in the day, and that actually that uh, live kind of broker's price is then instead 98 US dollars per ton for that market. Well, you know, the machine learning algorithm can recognize the difference in the prices and, and learn and to become, you know, a more accurate product in the future. So as, as well as for us trying to initially establish that 95% confidence interval, you know, machine learning type of software, you know, in order to try and improve performance uh, of, of the algorithm over time. And how has been the uptake in terms of uh, the industry? Has there been a lot of interest in it because of the machine learning or just generally because it's a, a good product to have for um, ags type companies? Yeah, I, I, I think there's been a significant amount of interest and in it. it's Predominantly, I think, because the use case is really clear, um, i.e. typically in industry now, it's, you know, high level staff or highly paid senior staff, skilled risk managers, that if they're not using uh, a tool like this that will provide synthetic proxies, well, then they're using a number of other different manual data collection techniques that are laborious, time-consuming, uh, inaccurate, and/or bias. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> uh, a few, a few kind of different reasons to utilize a, a machine learning uh, product that produces synthetic prices. So, there's been lots of interest in the product. I, I would also say, you know, there is obviously some skepticism, which is fair, also because this is the way that people in industry have been working you know, for, for, for 20, 30, 40 years in some cases. Uh, and that might be, you know, through internal data or not when, when they don't have internal data speaking to their traders or, or their brokers. Uh, and, you know, if you're trying to, to change something like that through something that is artificial or, or synthetic, uh, there's always a little bit of a, of a gasp of breath. Um, yep. with, with one or two people in, in kind of every company that you speak to. So, you know, I, th I think that's why it's very important to be to be clear, you know, for us to say that, yeah, you know, we have a 95% confidence interval. Uh, the great thing here is that it will allow you to automate process. There still will be times when you'll need to look into certain data points to investigate, you know, if you want to tighten up accuracy in, in certain points. Uh, that can still be done, uh, but actually this just cu cuts out you know, a lot of, uh, of long and unnecessary process and will give you know, very clear visibility to uh, all different kind of stakeholders in the business. So not just risk managers themselves, but, but management in general to traders and 
basically will enable you to produce something that's automatic and, and makes the business more dynamic overall. And so some people are really eager uh, to, to look at these types of solutions and some people are, are really reluctant. But generally speaking, it leads to some very interesting discussions either way. Sounds good. Um, have you got any other areas where you might deploy ML or artificial intelligence in the future? Is it on the agenda or, or are you done there? Yeah, so we are developing now a supply and demand product. So, so one part of the platform that we have looks at vessel lineups, and that is a very live way of you know of tracking vessel lineups and some supply and demand. But now we're trying to tie that together with kind of other fundamental data that we have in our platform to produce the product is planned to be called dynamic supply and demand and so that we're currently working through that at the moment so I can't say exactly how that will turn out but naturally because there can be some kind of forecasting elements and, and more parts of it we may use machine learning AI you know in order to provide provide some guidelines of where markets might move you know for instance yeah. if we see um, lineups perform like they did last year or typical exports out of certain regions then that may be maybe interesting to look at in that product but we, we're, we're trying really you know Agflow try on on two levels one firstly is to procure privileged kind of data and information and things that are going to be accurate, add value or insight to someone's business. And this risk management product is the first time then we kind of use that data to produce something proprietary through AI and machine learning. And so that's where the where the direction of our business will go, but will still be fundamentally based around privileged, accurate data, and then maybe applying some techniques like AI and machine learning, you know, in order to produce some kind of sophisticated guideline proprietary information that can be really helpful, particularly to, you know, to smaller and more medium-sized companies that otherwise wouldn't be looking at things or certainly not, not internally to utilize the likes of AI and machine learning. I mean, it's difficult enough even for the ABCDs, you know, and the very large players, I think, in the agricultural space uh, struggle enough with, 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 with how to implement these kind of technologies. And so, yeah, we, we will try, I think, to continue in, in that regard. Uh, and that might be in our supply and demand product or a number of different ways moving forward. But it's a really exciting part of our, of our business and we're looking now to work with, you know, data scientists, machine learning experts, pe people that are really qualified in the AI space, also to better understand with what we can do with, with this data, because as agricultural data, commodity data in general becomes more available, then these kind of technologies will become more applicable in our space. So as you can see, we are beginning to see all kinds of different examples of artificial intelligence and machine learning being applied within the commodities industries, as was anticipated and expected by our disruptive technology study a couple of years ago. This represents just the tip of the iceberg, and we do expect to see increased automation across all business processes in supply chains for commodities and other activities particularly using artificial intelligence and machine learning where it makes sense to do so. 
As we learn about other examples and other use cases, perhaps we'll do another CTRM radio or we'll blog about it on our website at ctrmcenter.com. This has been Gary Vesey with Commodity Technology Advisory with another edition of CTRM Radio, an irregular podcast from Comtech Advisory. We'd like to thank our guests and thank you for listening. We do hope that you've learned something today. We'd like to ask if you'll kindly stop by www.ctrmcenter.com where you'll find news, research, opinion, insights, reports and everything about CTRM for free. Thank you very much. Goodbye. You've been listening to CTRM Radio, a podcast by leading industry analysts, Commodity Technology Advisory. You can find more information about us at ComTechAdvisory.com and much more news, views, research and information on CTRM at the CTRM Center at CTRMCenter.com. Thank you for joining our presenters, managing partners Patrick Reams and Gary M. Vasey and their guests today, and we hope to see you on a future edition of CTRM Radio.